to the Flying Solo Podcast, a show for those going it alone in business. If you're working solo or have dreams of starting up, you'll find support, inspiration and advice at Australia's largest and liveliest small business community. Find us at flyingsolo.com.au or join us on Facebook. Here's your host, Robert Gerrish. Hello all and welcome to another Flying Solo podcast. If you've yet to check out premium membership, please do as there's a massive tools and benefits to help your business stand out and to ensure you stay at the top of your game. As part of membership, you get a full page listing in our directory, entry to a private discussion group, access to a library of over 80 how-to videos, a copy of our best-selling book and much, much more, all for just $99. Head to the join page to find out more. Now, today I'm delighted to have Matt Beachy on the show. Matt is the entrepreneur behind Startup Daily and a guy who dived into the whole Australian startup scene, well, way before most other people, indeed, probably before there even was a scene. So, Matt, you've done an extraordinary job with Startup Daily. I remember sharing a coffee with you, I don't know, maybe six or seven years ago and thinking, what is this bloke up to? He's printing a magazine. It's being distributed by hand by a coffee wholesaler, and he's never run a business before. I had my doubts, Matt. Well, uh, I mean, it it, it, uh, lasted a year, that uh, printed magazine, but uh, your (laughs) thoughts initially that you had were right, Robert. (laughs) We went online pretty soon after that. Well, look, they were they were right, and they and I actually think I wasn't right because you clearly, you know, what you did, I think, through you know, I watched you closely with that magazine. Is what you did is you got noticed, and then you very quickly realised, hang on a minute, I need to sort of flip this, mm. and you didn't you didn't faff about, you didn't hesitate, you just got on and did it, and um, from there on, it's just been a it's been a delight to observe. So well done, you. Thank you. And, uh, you know, having the, the online presence uh, was a lot less expensive than printing out thousands of magazines every single month. Yeah, sure. it's, it's a shame though, isn't it? I mean, there's still something lovely, don't you reckon, about having a nice big thumping magazine on a table? And yours, are, you know, the print quality of yours, albeit there were only a few, they were, they were fabulous. I mean, do you still miss that little side of the business a tiny bit? Look, I I do miss that because you can be really creative with a physical magazine. It's a physical product. You know, you can smell it. You can kind of, you know, flick through the pages. The design process is, is actually quite fun for a um, mm. physical product. But, um, you know, at the end of the day, people like to uh, get their news on their mobile phone and on their laptops and that kind of thing. So you've got to go where the, uh, where the customers are. Well, yeah, we've all got to eat, unfortunately. And I guess, you know, <laughs> in the time that, um, you know, that, that we've known each other, we've seen Anthill do the same thing, you know, have their magazine and yep. stopped it recently. Uh, Lisa Messenger has done the same thing with, with her lovely publication. So it's, look, hey, it happens, but I don't know. I still, I still hanker after printed magazines. Anyway, enough of that. We'll go off. I'll start reminiscing. That <laughs> won't get us anywhere. So, look, we're going to have a look at the traits of successful startups, and I reckon that you know, if anyone's well placed, uh, both as an observer and indeed a real life crash test dummy, it is surely Matt Beachy. So, 
first thing is, you know, I mentioned there that when we first met, you know, I, I kind of left that cafe thinking, Phew, that sounds a bit tricky. Um, how do you find when you meet a startup and you, you, you're meeting them all day, every day through your publications, through the fabulous stuff that you've been doing with the, the whole sort of um, Silicon Paddock uh, concept of yours, you know, you're always meeting startups. Do you find yourself forming an opinion of their likely success? And if so, you know, what's, what's your kind of, uh, you know, how accurate is, is your intuition? How many times are you proved right or wrong? Look, I would say it's gotten better over the last kind of six years since doing this. Um, I think that, you know, it, there's, there's a lot of really crap ideas that have been really successful. So it all comes down to the founder. <laughs> so, you know, right, if, okay. if I'm in a, a meeting or an interview and the founder has a very clear idea about where they're going, um, they have a very, you know, um, definite kind of trajectory in mind, um, then they're nine times out of ten going to achieve that. Yeah, okay. Well, that's that's interesting. I mean, it's um, I, I, I was going to challenge, but I won't. You know, you're the nine out of ten, but I know what you mean. I, I, and I suspect that if the I mean, person is right. to a, a very varying degrees, let's say then. Yes. Okay. All right. Yes. Good. That's that's the small print. And I guess the thing is, is that what what I'm sure we both observe is that if the person's right, they're going to do well in business. Maybe not that business. Maybe the next one. You know. Hmm. Maybe it'll flip and shift into something else. But if the person's right and is drawing the right people around them, gosh, that makes a difference, doesn't it? Absolutely. I mean, if you look at the mm. first 12 issues of our magazine, which was called, I think, something like Shoestring Startups or something like that. Yes, had that's that exactly ter- what it was called. Terrible name. And um, the, <laughs> the iterations um, that were you know, that came between then and what is now Startup Daily Online. There was, um, Mm. you know, a lot of website um, uh, name changes. I think it was called Shoestring at one stage as well. Um, You know, you you kind of like learn. It's a a constant puzzle that you have to reiterate and be open to pivoting and, and that type of thing. Yeah, and look, I love the way that you know six years in, and you're practically forgetting the names of your earlier businesses. <laughs> I think that I'm sure it's just because you're so focused on what you're doing now. But um, to what extent do you think you know we as uh, I'm going to kind of draw a little bit of a distinction between the flying solo audience and the startup daily audience and you know clearly that's a line that gets very murky and there's a lot we can learn from from each other but particularly those people that are already kind of running a business they may certainly they move beyond the startup phase what do you think we can still learn from startups um, well, I think that one of the, the biggest learning curves that I had to undergo was the way that we termed um, the word, word startup when I first started was literally uh, starting a business. Now startup means a highly scalable tech company and that, that's, that's kind of been a, um, an interesting um, change that we had to make around, I think it was about 2014, 2015, when, you know, the tech startup scene started to uh, 
come into its own. So um, it was uh, it, it's interesting because the word start up a business is um, now seen as like two words that you're starting up something yeah, yeah. Um, rather than you're starting a startup. So there's that tricky mm, to kind of like get around. But in terms of launching a new venture, let's say, if we use that language, um, I mm. think that um, one of the things that uh, any business and especially like larger businesses and people that have been running something for a significant period of time can learn from the tech startups um, uh, world is that you've always got to, you know, you've got to be agile, you've got to be willing to pivot and um, you've got to, um, you've got to think beyond um, beyond your postcode. You know, everything's a global business nowadays. <laughs> hmm. Yeah, good point. So, just on that whole sort of tech startup, I mean, do you do you feel that? Um, yeah, I, I want. I just wonder whether the delineation that you're creating, and, and, I, and I think it's dead right, is that is that certainly within your audience, when you talk about startup, you're talking about scalable tech startup. But I wonder how long words like scalable and tech are going to need to be there, you know, whether that's the right sort of, um, I don't know, maybe this isn't the time to kind of pull it apart and, <laughs> and desperately try and solve it. But, um, yeah, I, I just wonder, you know, every business surely now when it's starting has a degree of tech within it. We all use tech um, to further our businesses, I, I, I don't know. I, I just wonder whether it's in a, in two or three years, whether we're still going to be sort of forcing that little definition in there, or whether we're going to whether we can just let it go. What do you think? I think that um, when it comes to tech startups and using that um, kind of terminology, uh, the answer kind of lies around how many people can you service at one time so if you're a, um, a graphic designer um, you can only kind of like work on one project with one client at a time you might have a suite of like 10 clients but you can't work on a million clients mm. um, where if you're a scalable tech platform whatever the function is that you have been created to um, to you know fulfill you are able to have millions of clients um working mm. on the platform at the one time so i think that that's kind of like where the, the little idiosyncrasy kind of difference is yeah okay well actually maybe the maybe the word that needs to disappear is the whole startup word you know maybe oh. that's the thing that's getting in the way but <laughs> <laughs> you have to change your name again Gosh. come on come on <laughs> all right listen no let's keep moving let's keep moving um all right, so uh, what, another sort of observation I've got. So I agree with you, the point you made a moment ago there, that, that clearly what we can learn is agility, um, the ability to flip, that is kind of change direction, uh, read the signs if we need to, do those kind of things. Um, one thing that I, I've been look at, looking through some studies recently, and one of them, and I'm sure you've seen it, was one by CB Insights in New York, and that looked at, I think, uh, 101 startup businesses, all of whom had uh, a fairly high degree of funding, so over a million dollars, um, and all of whom had failed. And 
that's just because they're the only ones who wanted to talk to the ones that have failed. And mm. the reason the vast, you know, the, the majority of them had failed uh, was because there was no market for what they were doing. Mm. So here they are, all excited, revved up, persuaded people to invest. You know, obviously had a really good pitch, had the right people. But, you know, lo and behold, nobody actually wanted what they were trying to market. Is that something that you observe? Do you see that within the local sort of Australian space? Do you see smart businesses run by smart people that just aren't connecting with customers? Um, You don't see it as much in Australia just because we're a little bit more cautious um, from a venture capital um, point of view. Um, that's not to say that big moonshot type um, ideas aren't funded, but we tend to fund things that uh, have a bit of product market fit and make sales. Um, that's why we have such a strong B2B kind of scene here um, and uh, fintech, um, insurance tech, that type of thing are, are pretty strong markets for us um, where a nation that, uh, you know, lives off kind of commodities and and, and that kind of thing. So we understand that space really well. well. Um, I think that um, it is a huge problem in the startup scene that people are just funding, you know, ideas that aren't going to to make any money because you're just throwing your money into kind of thin air. Um, But um, I actually believe that Australia is unique um, in in a um, in the way that we fund um, companies that have sales trajectory. Okay, all right. So, in fact, you're what I think you're saying then is that is that in fact our caution, whilst quite possibly, you know, and it's the subject of quite a lot of discussion in the media, the fact that getting investment capital here isn't that straightforward. But what you're saying is, in fact, well, the fact that it isn't means that the businesses that are getting it are ones that have have kind of proven or started to prove quite justifiably that they have got an audience. Yeah. Is that what you're saying? Ryan? I mean, if you mm. if you talk to any of the founders that have gotten, you know, large amounts of funding, especially in the, um, you know, Series A, Series B, Series C kind of range, which is, you know, typically your, your 30 to 40 kind of million dollar um, funding um, rounds, uh, they – all have had to show how they can become a billion-dollar business in terms of how they can be producing billions of um, dollars in sales. So that, Mm. you know, from all of the founders, from Canva, um, uh, that kind of thing that, you know, they've had to do to be able to get those funding rounds in through the door. Yeah. Okay. And if if we were to um, together now go and sort of um, take a cab up Sydney Airport or any of our major airports, are we going to see lots of our bright startups leaving the country? Is that do you do you observe that? Is there a bit of a you know, is a departure lounge full of tech businesses that are having to go somewhere else? Um, yes. And no. I mean the the kind of likes, I guess, of the 
of uh, Silicon Valley are, are always there. But I actually think that that, um, you know, that's starting to become a, a little bit of a um, an annoyance to me around bad journalism where people haven't actually gone out and really explored what our um, startup ecosystem actually looks like um, in Australia. Um, and mm. I think it's a little bit alarmist. I don't think that there's like that many um, of the, you know, the. Um, there's certainly obviously a few, but I mean, I think that, uh, you know, if, if you want to build a, a business in Australia, um, you are going to build a business in Australia. And if you, if you don't, <laughs> then, you know, you're going to go overseas and do it. But it, there's certainly advantages to having the business built in Australia. I mean, you've got better access to talent. You've got, um, you've got better, um, you know, uh, rates of, of pay, that kind of thing. I think that we should, you know, mm. certainly um, start to highlight that that kind of thing when people are new and coming into the scene, and the first thing that they do when they're googling, you know how to start up my business or the kind of news on startups. I think that, you know, the the uh, the media needs to be a little bit responsible in terms of the way that, that they're reporting it, especially, you know, um, mm. using terms like, you know, the Silicon Valley of Sydney and that type of thing. You know, we don't want to be the Silicon Valley of Sydney. We want to be Sydney, the no. innovation capital or whatever, whatever it is. It's, it's, you know, there's there's a lot of bad things about the uh the valley that we don't want to emulate yes yes i agree with that and uh, and let's not focus too much on sydney either talking of which nice segue oh, come on, I sydney. Think. <laughs> <laughs> let's, look, let's look at um silicon paddock yes right uh, great concept of yours just for those listening you may not know just in a nutshell can you explain what it is what drove you to do it and then I think there's probably some lessons for uh, for the flying solo community in there as well. So what is Silicon Paddock? So uh, in 2016, um, myself and Gina, who is our head of content, took a little Rex flight down to Wagga Wagga, um, where I knew where I grew up, and we went to a... Uh, a pitching um, night, regional pitch fest. And um, hmm. we were... You went to it or you set it up? Uh, no, we, we, we went to it. and uh, you, were, we, you were okay. You were in the audience. We were in the audience. And I was actually surprised at how large the audience was. I thought we were going to be in some like, little town hall thing. It was actually, you know, uh, you know, quite a few hundred people. It was a very diverse crowd. And it kind of made me um, take uh, a bit of um, notice about how snobby I was since I'd moved to the city <laughs> about... Um, mm. innovation in the country. And so Silicon Paddock was launched to um, shine a light on people that are doing innovative things um, in regional areas and also bridge a digital, um, the digital skills gap that exists down there. Um, it's very... Um, it's very interesting, like, you know, in the country with the NBN rollout, um, my family, for instance, have just uh, um, got 
internet speeds are fast enough to be able to have Netflix. So they're just, you know, wow. that's just coming to them now. Wow. So um, there's, you know, I think about 1.3 million um, small businesses out there in regional Australia that with the MBN are becoming connected to the rest of the world in a way that they've never been connected before. And that's going to... Um, that's going to create some interesting, um, interesting dynamics, especially um, when it comes to e-commerce and um, you know small businesses in the country uh, being global businesses now. Yeah, it looks it's as you say, it's going to be phenomenal, and not just the fact that your parents can sit and watch Netflix for the first time, <laughs> which is good news, of course. Um, so, when you were at that pitch fest, I mean, who's in the room? What sort of people? What sort of businesses? I mean, was there anything there that um, came as as any sort of surprise to you, or was it um, more? a you know sort of carbon copy of what you see in the bigger cities bigger cities uh, no it was way more diverse um so you had um indigenous australians you had um refugees um pitching you had um you know someone that was 14 someone that was 60 um and it wasn't you know i think that when people think of like startups in the country they think agricultural um, technology um, where, you know, obviously there is, um, you know, quite a substantial amount of ag tech um, down there, but there's just as much media tech, sports tech, that type of thing. The um, guys, two of the guys that pitched um, their golfing startup 36T, um, they're an Aubrey startup and they've just um, signed a massive contract with the World PGA Tour over in the US. Ah, fantastic. Mm. And so you met them in Wagga or one of your one of your other uh, no, I met um, them in Wagga at the um at the regional pitch fest. Yeah. They were they were one of oh, the um, the finalists. Hmm. Fantastic. So let me just again. I want, I'm interested um, in this um, where the sort of uh, merging of I'm thinking of them as two communities: the startup daily community and the flying solo community. Um, what are the challenges of startups that start that you see that startups are experiencing where existing businesses may be able to contribute? How can we? Those of us who have you know, been running a business for a while and we, you know, we're maybe not scaling and flipping and doing anything huge, but how can we support startups better? Hmm. That's a great question. I think that um, everybody needs to support each other a little better, to be honest. I think that mm-hmm. you know, yeah. the first thing that we need to do is kind of like look at the the advantages of of actually reaching out and bridging the gaps and you know corporates working with small businesses and startups yep. working with solopreneurs and um, you know working together in the ecosystem to you know, to mm. to help prop each other up and help the Australian economy. I mean, there's lots of um, services i'm sure a scaling startup would be able to you know um outsource to um you know a a group of 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 solopreneurs um Mm. you know we're talking kind of you know services professional services that type of thing um and uh you know things beyond that 
Well, then I think our challenge, um, or the challenge then between the two companies is indeed to two organizations is to bring that together because you're quite right. And I guess, you know, for a lot of startups, whilst in many cases, what they've got is, you know, a very, uh, in many cases, very innovative idea, um, something that, um, you know, they've got a huge level of energy and passion. But then when you've kind of got on your plane and flown back from Wagga and the pitch fest is over, they are most definitely people that largely are going to be on their own again, trying to work out how to manage their day, how to manage their time, how to work productively, how to where they should get their accounts done, who's going to do their design, who's going to clean their house, who's going to mow the lawn, you know, all those things where there there must be some good crossover, I would have thought, as you rightly say, where, you know, they can be thinking about either outsourcing to other solo businesses or at least communing in some way. I think that's what we've got to do is kind of get out of the way and let them talk a bit more. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, there's there's uh, there's also platforms um, that are, are starting to, you know, pop up um, where mm. you can kind of put your services on there. I mean, Fiverr is a bad example because, you know, it's, it's mm. kind of like that lower end of the spectrum. But, um, you know, yep. freelancer.com, those kind of um, outsource yes. um, type platforms are, are great. But I think that there's room for better, higher quality, more boutique type ones um, as well out mm. there um, that, you know, I think so too. it's another startup idea really, isn't it? <laughs> It, it is. We've got to watch ourselves. So uh, to what extent, that was, that was my next question to you, is you're rubbing shoulders with startups all day long. Uh, you've now been running your business for six or seven years. Um, does the the energy that you meet from startups, does it fuel you in your work? Or in any way, is it is it uh, kind of eating away? You think, oh, my goodness, I need to start something else. I, do you feel a pressure to do more yourself or are you – able to maintain your focus really clearly on your publishing business? Um, well, I mean, it's not my publishing business anymore. We've, um, you know, now owned by Pinstripe Media. Um, so okay. uh, I'm actually quite enjoying that <laughs> experience. <laughs> um, I think, look, I've, okay. I've experienced the best and the worst that there is um, with with owning your own business. Um and yeah. um, at this point in time, I'm just, um, you know, loving uh, kind of helping the the um, the tech scene, um, you know, flourish. Um, I have no desire to to start a to to start a business because I know how hard it is to, right. to do that. Scratch. Yeah, <laughs> I'll, I'll have a, have a bit of a rest first, Robert, before we get on that bike again. <laughs> Sure. Okay. Well, that's that's interesting, and it's good to hear. You know, you've you've uh, you know, with your the position, your that uh, I still think of it as your brand. You know, at this stage, your the way the position, the home of your brand allows you to, you know, breathe a little and um and you know let go of certain aspects of the business, which is such a delight, isn't it? Again, it's a good thing to personally experience because it just adds so much to your own wisdom and um, allows you to, I'm sure, to, you know, observe and write about all those um, exciting startup businesses around you. So I would say, I would finally, say so, yeah. I'm sorry to butt in, um, that right. one of the biggest things that I think that startup and scale-up businesses 
can learn from the solo entrepreneur crowd is that um, typically soloists have built a business around a lifestyle that they like, that they want, that they aspire to, um, where startups um, are under an enormous amount of pressure to um, make money back um, traditionally Mm. for um, investors, those that are investing in their money. And that leads to a lot of things like lack of sleep and burnout and mental um, Mm. health issues and that kind of thing. So I think that um, one of the things that the startup scene could learn from a flying solo audience is um, that idea of balance and that idea of building something Mm. and creating something around um, the kind of life that you want to lead. Yeah, well, that's a very good point. Look, very good point, and I, and uh, it, it's interesting because I when I um, bump into startups, so often I do like uh, as you just said there, I observe people that are really working very hard, and and that we have to work hard to build a business, but. Um, it worries me a little when you see people that are really putting sort of health and well-being to one side, mm-hmm. um, assuming assuming they'll get to that sometime in the future because sometimes they don't ever get to that. And, uh, you know, that's we don't want to be there. So, now that's that's a very good point to, uh, to almost end us up. And I'm going to ask you one final thing. Shows like Dragon's Den, right, where we're sort of popularizing the whole startup thing and we're turning it into some – you know, a kind of glamorous TV show, good or bad? What do you reckon? Look, I think that with those types of shows, Dragon's Den, Shark Tank, that type of thing, we've got to remember that they're television shows um, first and foremost. Um, they're there to get ratings. They're there to um, to uh, get an audience, to have people um, invest in that from uh, from the couch at home and, and that type of thing. Um, yes, some people have great experiences, some people have terrible experiences, but I think if, if you are mm. going and you're pitching on one of those shows um, and you, you feel that that's right for you, well, good on you, but um, you've got to, you know, realise that first and foremost it's a television show and they're looking for ratings. Yes, entertainment. Yeah, good point, good point. So go in with your, your eyes open. It can be good and it can be... Um can be not so good. All right, look, Matt, thank you so much. Must be time for a coffee again soon. Um, If we want to find out more of your fine work, startupdaily.net? Net, absolutely, startupdaily.net. Fantastic. We can catch all the great work that you're doing there. And uh, it's been a pleasure catching up with you again. And um, let's not leave it so long next time. I know. Pleasure. Thank you, Robert. Okay. And look, before I go, don't forget that when it comes to creating a truly enjoyable and prosperous business flying solo gets you premium membership has all the tips and tools you'll need for just 99 dollars. head to the join page to learn more and that's where we'll leave this show from flying solo and your host robert gerrish we'd love to receive feedback even a brief review for those listening via itunes if you're planning to start a business or rejuvenate the one you're in, check out our bestseller, Flying Solo, How to Go It Alone in Business. It includes everything we know about working on your own. And of course, we invite you to dive into the resources and supportive community at flyingsolo.com.au.